Hello and welcome to episode number 221 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And today we're going to talk about when Paul Dark got really, really dark. Redheaded Girl has been recapping the episodes of the BBC's Poldark as they air in the U.S. And inspired by a listener email, we are going to discuss very casually the most recently aired episode of that show. We're going to talk about the intricacies of spoilers, the television portrayal of what in the book is a rape scene, and the viewer reaction to that episode. We also talk about the idea of altering or preserving source material when working with an adaptation, and it's not an easy question to answer as to whether or not something should be altered for a modern audiences, adapted accordingly, left as it is. Most of all, we have a lot of warnings here, so spoiler warnings and salty language warnings, and above all, trigger warnings, because for the first 35 minutes, we're going to talk about a particular scene where in the book, it's very clearly rape, and in the television show, it's uh, kind of left a more to a more broad interpretation. We also have a discussion about what we're reading and what we want to see next, and a disgusting interlude. At about 37 minutes while I'm recording, Orville, my cat, who has colon problems, he uh, strains to move his bowels in front of, but not in the litter. And I almost took this out, except that when I was editing it, it was incredibly funny. And also, I know how much you love it when my cats or my dogs screw up my podcast recordings. So I thought, all right, I will leave this in. I hope that it makes you laugh as hard as I did while I was editing it. And if you hate this part, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I will have links to all of the books and television shows and DVDs that we talk about in the podcast entry at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. We also have an iTunes page at itunes.com slash dbsa that has most recent episodes plus links to the iBook store. As always, the music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the show who this is. And while we don't have a sponsor for this podcast or the transcript for this episode, I would like to invite you to take a look at the podcast Patreon, which has become a major support source for the show. If you would like to make a monthly pledge of a dollar or three dollars or five dollars, you help keep the podcast going and you help me commission transcripts for older episodes and you help make the world a more inappropriate place for when my cat is really, really quite active during recording sessions. It's a win all around, right? You can find out more at patreon.com slash smartbitches. As I said earlier, we are going to talk a lot about rape and sexual assault in this particular show and in this story and in the books. So please keep that in mind. I want you to feel safe and I don't want you to be triggered by anything. And now on with the podcast. How you doing? I'm still very tired from my extremely busy weekend. Was Hamilton amazing? Hamilton was amazing. Yay! I'm so happy you got to see it. I'm too. So I have this temporarily titled as Poldark Got Really Fucking Dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are lots of things to say there. So basically, and... to, to before we get into the discussion, we're going to yeah. spoil the hell out of the most recent episode. Yes. Um, that aired on... Sunday, November 13th. 13th. So yeah. when I post this five days ago. Yeah. And given that the book is how old? Um, the book that this particular scene happened in was, I, th- I want to say 53. Okay. There you go. So we're talking so about it. It's. It's, it's, on one hand, it's a television show that's currently airing based on a book that's 50 some years old or no, 70 some years old. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah, hard it's to say whether or not anymore. it's hard to wrap my head around that. Cause clearly the nineties were like last week, but oh, oh totally. Right. right? right? Oh, t- let me tell you about the time that my younger son was complaining about how the camp play was from the 1900s. When was it? God, I want to say it was one of the musicals that, like, every camp does. So, like, 1960-something, maybe 1950-something. 
But I had to explain to him, dude, I am from the 1900s. Oh, pumpkin. I know, right? He's like, but it's so old. I'm like, you just shut your mouth. And we're in the middle of an amusement park. And I look over and there is an amusement park employee. And he is doubled over dying laughing (laughs) in this conversation. <laughs> he was like, "I'm sorry, ma'am." I'm like, "It's all right. It's funny." No, 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 no that's legit, dude. He could, he could literally could not breathe. This poor man. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad that you brought some joy to this random dude's life. Yeah, right. I, I it was worth the price of the ticket. So basically, pole dark gets really dark. Yes. So do you yeah. want to? You want to? Well, let me let me give the nutshell. So a nutshell. Well. Trigger, okay, trigger warning also. Trigger warning's up the wazoo, because uh, we're, we're talking about what may or may not be, depending on your interpretation, a rape scene in the most recent episode of Poldark, committed by the hero. Hero, I'm using quotes, because he's not been acting heroic this season. He's been acting kind of dumb, and certainly like an ass. Um, Poldark. Oh, yeah, Ross. <laughs> I wish his name, Ross, was short for something. Because there are multiple times that I'm just like, sign, oh, Ross Burt. <laughs> you need another syllable. You need to, another syllable to, to fully really kind of express your disappointment. Exactly. Sometimes you need more than one syllable to truly capture your, your sadness. Yeah. Um, so... The the scene in question is between Ross and his first love, Elizabeth, who had been married to... He came home from the Revolutionary War, um, in which, you know, they're British, so they lost. And You don't say. No kidding. Okay. Spoilers. Spoiler. <laughs> That's the best spoiler. How many spoiler alerts will be in this episode? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. Um... He came home to discover that the woman that he left behind and was expecting to marry was engaged to his cousin. As you do. As, you know, you do. And then he... Elizabeth marries Francis, the cousin in question. And Ross marries Demelza. And that's a whole thing. And at the end of season one, you're like, yay, everybody's going to be fine. And then there was season two. Except that there are ten more books in the series, so clearly everything's not going to be fine. Otherwise, they would be really boring books. So, um, season two, Francis dies, and even before he died, Elizabeth and Ross have been doing this weird, flirty, like, well, if only things had been different, then we'd be totally knocking boots right now. Which is horrible, because Demelza's awesome. Because Demelza's awesome, and Ross does not deserve her. And every once in a while, he seems to realize that that is true. And then he goes and does something really fucking stupid. So there's a a repeating cycle in these books of Ross sticking his head up his ass, basically. Yes. Maybe that's where the dark is in Poldark. Up Ross's butt? Yeah, he shoves his head up his ass, still looking for the light, and it's not there. Yeah, well, he is a minor. Hmm. Um, True that. And... So Francis dies, and there's kind of this vague question of, will Ross leave Demelza and take up residence with Elizabeth? He can't divorce Demelza because getting a divorce in 1790s Cornwall is difficult. To say the least. To say the least. Mm -hmm. But he can certainly, you know, dump his wife and take up with Elizabeth, but of course he won't do that because he's, he's dumb, but he ain't that dumb. But they're still sort of, you know, flirting weirdly back and forth. And he's spending all this time with Elizabeth. And then she essentially gets completely and totally emotionally and financially manipulated into getting engaged to Ross's arch nemesis. Which is going to devastate his delicate man feels. It does devastate his delicate man feels. So he storms over to have a discussion and I heard the air quotes from here a discussion yeah, yeah. discussion mm-hmm. where he's yelling and she's yelling back and in the book it's not ambiguous at all no matter what Winston Graham's son says we'll get to that uh, it's not ambiguous at all because 
he forces himself on her and says, maybe it's time you were treated like a slut. <gasps> Ross. Yeah. yeah. How did you keep going through these books? Like, were you were you super invested in the story where you were like, okay. I, I already, I had read a summary at some point. So I had a lot of time to know that this was coming. Ah. So I, I already knew that this was a thing. Right. So it, it wasn't like I was blindsided with it. Like I was with the lady pirate, Lindsay Sands. I'm still mad at you. So which book is this, by the way? This is in book four, War Legend. Okay. By the and, way, the yeah. names, my gosh. Yes. I think Winston Graham said that he came up with Poldark because he found some family name that was like Pole Green or something. And he's like, I like that, but I want it to be darker. So let's be literal. Okay, that works. Sure, sure. You, you do you. And Demelza <laughs> is is a a typical Cornish name. The right. The C-A ending is a thing. Right. Um, and in the show... Well, what did you it, think it, of it the difference just, between the, the way... I mean, it's definitely... They definitely did change it. They said last year that, oh, no, we're, we're going to be changing that. And I said that, yeah, I know that there are ramifications from this event, but I don't believe that it needs to be rapey. And in the show, it's it's still kind of rapey, although the showrunner thinks that, oh, no, we changed it to so it's totally consensual. And it's like, mm, I don't think you did. Because he shows up and... She's like, okay, if you want to have a discussion or whatever, let's go downstairs and not, you know, be in my bedroom. And he's like, no, we're going to have it here. And they yell for a bit. And he kisses her rather forcefully and sort of nudges her towards the bed. And she's like, you wouldn't dare. And he's like, oh, watch me. Oh, dude. And like, and then once she is in the bed then she's like okay well I guess we're doing this and is super into it and then wakes up the next morning and is sad because he left and went back to his wife who punched him out the gifs are amazing Ooh. yeah so how did she know she just knew he walked in and looked guilty and was like I had no choice and she's like the yeah, hell I you didn't pow <laughs> go Demelza um, so there are some people who feel that what they did in the modern show, and I, I don't know how that scene played out in the 1975 version of the show. Right. But in the version um, that's showing right now. The version that's showing right now, there are some people who are saying it's worse because they're like, no, this is totally not rape, but he was like not taking her no and forcing himself across her boundaries when she clearly states them. And then she wakes up and she's like, well, I was totally not raped. That was perfectly enjoyable. I would like to go again. Um, oh, dude. Yeah. So it's, so what you're saying is it's complicated. It's complicated. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So like you can take the, the interpretation you can interpret it through the context of the 1950s right you can interpret it through the context of the 1790s and you can interpret it through the context of right now and i think you will come up with like 12 different interpretations just on those three permutations alone how so i mean the difference between the the book and that I, I think Winston Graham does a really good job of writing women, but he is still a dude writing women. So I don't know how much thought he really put into this in terms of consent and what women really think and experience. And from what I understand about how consent was viewed in the 1950s, I think that there were a lot of women who would go, well, that was a bad date. And, and what, they're, and what yeah. they're saying is I had to put out, otherwise things would have gone very badly for me. 
And we would look at that now and go, yeah, that was rape. How do you, what do you think of the television portrayal? Uh, I think that they didn't think that all the way through. They, They definitely, I have not read book five yet because I am sort of spacing them out. So I read them not long before the series happens. And also they're expensive. Yeah. And all they're expensive. Um, so I know that the, there are ramifications from this encounter that echo throughout the rest of the series. Right. I, I read up on that part. Um, but as to if those ramifications are from the rape aspect or the sex aspect that I don't know. I suspect it's the sex. Interesting. Whereas for contemporary audiences, the response to these episodes has been, uh, I'd like to set him on fire and this isn't okay. And how it seems to me from what I've been reading that there are some vocal critics who are like, why didn't you change this? Because this for a modern audience, this ruins everything. Yeah. And they did change it. They, they, they absolutely did change it compared to what was written on the page, but I don't think they changed it enough. And they definitely could have made it a hate fuck. Cause I love me a good hate fuck. <laughs> that does the BBC so... do hate fucking? I'm not sure the BBC does that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a really bad British bake off joke. I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> Anyway, bottom, Sarah. that's right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's not a thing that the BBC does. But okay, anyway, I could be wrong. They could have, I mean, they showed I, Claudius. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of hate fucking in there. It's just really implied. You make a good point. Yeah. So what is your take? Um, my take is that, yes, they changed it. They didn't go far enough. They could have made it more clear that Elizabeth was down way before he shoved her on the bed. Wait, so that she was, she was in a sense agreeing. So that she was a willing participant. Like they, the, the oh, show down runner, to fuck. Um, I was like down, like down on the ground, down. Cause he hit her. Oh, down to fuck. Sorry. <laughs> is the showrunner was like, no, this is totally consensual. And I'm like, it's not though. Um, so the, the showrunner thinks that what they showed was consent and yeah. what you and saw, she, you don't think so much was. No, because Elizabeth consented in the end. And if you take like a 1790s interpretation, you could go like kind of what we say with old school romances when, when heroines are forcefully seduced into their first time that they, yes, they're kissed into compliance they're kissed into compliance and they can say to themselves well i can i can allow myself to enjoy this now because i didn't have a choice and so if you want to take that interpretation to make yourself feel better about continuing to watch the show i am not going to stop you right i mean i'm not going to stop anybody from doing pretty much anything they want in terms of the show. So you're not going to disagree with anyone who thinks that it was non-consensual because that was your take too. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a way that this could have been done better? Definitely. Would, if it had been changed and the rape had, the rape scene had been uh, modified or, or, or minimized so that it was sizably different from the, the portrayal in the book, do the ramifications still bear out i think so i know that okay spoilers for future books and future seasons book five and beyond right i know that elizabeth does marry george rogers ross's arch nemesis and she does get pregnant rather quickly and it's either outright stated or heavily implied that it's actually ross's kid yikes so making it less rapey and more hate fucky wouldn't change that because I mean, 
up to this point, these are two people who are like, we clearly have very naughty pants feelings for each other. And we're also super mad at the situation. So I could absolutely see them kind of going, well, to, to quote another play I saw this weekend in New York, it's beyond my control. I just, we have to have sex. We just have to. And everyone else around them going, you didn't, though. And that's why Demelza punches you in the face. Right. Because it's easy for him to talk his way out and to, to let himself off the hook, mm-hmm. both within the context of the book and within the context of the show. Yeah. But from the perspective of other, of other people, not so much. Not so much. Not so much. It makes me think of Whitney, my love, because that book has a couple of scenes that really are... I think good, you know, two, three feet over the border of consent. Mm -hmm. And the book was edited to minimize those scenes Mm -hmm. and to change them. And it was an interesting discussion when it was figured out by people that the book had changed because did it sizably change the the whole story? Did it sizably change the whole book? It depends. But I remember at the time, this was several years ago, Lauren Willig and Kara Elliott were teaching a seminar about romance fiction to Yale undergrads. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the books that they had assigned. And so everyone went out and bought a copy and they're all reading it. And they were reading, the the professors were reading their own copies, which were older. And so they kept saying, well, didn't you think that was out of line? Didn't you think it was a problem? And all the students were kind of like, no. No, what? What what are you, wait, what? And and they had no idea that it had been updated. Mm -hmm. And it was, I I still don't have, it's not like I don't care. I, I, I think it's fascinating and I, and I basically chase my own tail over the whole question. Is it worth changing something like that? Does it, does it help that book find a new audience or is that particular style of romance so out of fashion now that it's not necessarily something that someone's going to be like, oh yeah, Whitney, my love, you got to read that. I, I don't ever recommend that book, like ever. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many other McNaughts that I will recommend that is not one of them. And it's right. not just because of that scene, it's because Clayton's a giant asshole. <laughs> so changing the book doesn't change the fact that I don't like recommend it to people who are new romance readers. I think that would, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would send them running and screaming. But does updating it to give the book a chance, a potential chance with a modern romance reading audience, is that a worthwhile decision? I honestly don't know. Yeah. So when you're taking a book that's as old as the Poldark books about a time period that's even older, mm-hmm. I have to kind of agree with you that the showrunner and the writers could have done better to update right. that show I mean, consider how and, consider how far apart television shows and books have gotten when they've been adapted in progress. Mm-hmm. Like True Blood, the books and the TV show were very, very different things. Oh, I'm so mad at that show. <laughs> You're <laughs> not alone. I mean, right? The, the, and, and I'm not mad at it because it changed the books. Because I I have no emotional feelings about the books whatsoever. I read the first one and was like, well, that was a thing. But it was just the way that they treated Tara. The character it was just not good yeah uh, but Rutina has a, a lovely show with a showrunner that adores her so she's good she's Yay. fine Yay. <laughs> um yeah I mean you like you changed it some you could change it more so it was actually doing what you thought you were doing you just didn't like consent after the fact is still not consent. Not really. No. And I, I don't want to say that, well, victims are not, don't get to define their own experience. Like, if you feel that what happened to you was not rape, I'm not going to be the one to say, no, you're defining your experience wrong. Um, but this was, this is something that was written by a third party, and like, you're the one who was saying that Elizabeth is saying this isn't right, but you're the one who's making her say that, so it becomes very recursive. And other people are looking at the totality of the circumstances and going, oh, that wasn't great. Or that was bad. Or I want nothing to do with your show anymore because Ross is a shitty hero, which he is. 
there seemed to be a number of, of viewers who were like, I am so out. Like, this is it. Nope. I'm done. I can't watch this guy anymore. And yeah. I have to know, I, I have to, I have to say, I, I know that feeling. Yeah. I also sort of empathize with the, with the situation that the writers are in. Mm-hmm. Because when you deviate too much from the source material, people get all mad. But if you, yeah. gosh, it's a really hard call because I think what makes this so grating for viewers who are into the show in part is that he's still the hero. Nothing Mm -hmm. grievously bad is going to happen to him for this. This is so on any other show, this would be a likely reason for this particular person to have some significant consequence for what they did. There's not going to be one for him. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Well, if they're going to diverge from the source material by this amount, I guess maybe they could do more later. Right. I mean, I know that he and Demelza have multiple more children, um, but it's unclear, like, what all happened. I mean, it's eight more books that that follow... Oh... Another 30 years. Yeah. So. It's a mess. It's a mess. And it's like, it it doesn't necessarily working towards a happily ever after for anybody. Because, I mean, it's a a saga series. Yeah. And it's going to keep going through a lot of detail. Are you still going to watch it? Does this change? This doesn't change how you. This changes nothing. No? No. Like I said, I knew this was coming, and I knew I made that decision over a year ago. Over a year? That sounds about right. So you knew this was coming, so you were sort of prepared. Mm-hmm. I can see why this would be very upsetting for someone who was not prepared. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Americans have had had a potential chance to because this aired in the uk three weeks ago right which is when the when the uh, anger started yeah so american viewers might have had an an inkling by the the anger rippling over the pond um yeah that pond gets real short it gets real short sometimes yeah it's like you know like the, the top of the mississippi where you can jump over it yeah i've done that yeah exactly it gets pretty <laughs> very small. <laughs> it's very small. You can you can wade the first quarter mile or so. I I don't think we're gonna solve any you know major problems here, but you know we can certainly validate your complicated feelings. Yeah, you can have as many of them as you like. What was the original email? So this is what Amy said. Here is what I'm writing about. The BBC version of Poldark and the infamous what I would consider to be forced seduction scene between Ross and Elizabeth. The episode hasn't aired yet in the US, but it has in the UK and has been highly controversial. I remember that you did a podcast about rape and trigger warnings. And one thing that was stressed was that we should all understand that what triggers one person doesn't trigger another. What one person considers rape and not okay could be another person's forced seduction and totally okay. But in this climate of zero tolerance for anything that hints at non-consensual, it seems like there is a whole other culture of people who feel like anything consensually ambiguous should not ever be portrayed anywhere, ever. There are lots of very angry tweets and articles and blog posts shaming the BBC, anyone associated with Poldark, fans who are okay with the series continuing. There's talks of boycotts and even calls for the series to be taken off the air. I think it's interesting. In order to make a series like this in modern times, do we have a responsibility to completely change the source material to fit modern sensibilities? It seems like in a case like this, you would be damned if you do and damned if you don't. Leave things as is, or in this case, change the story marginally to make it appear more consensual and you feel the wrath of those accusing you of glorification of rape. Change the story significantly to erase any hint of rape and feel the wrath of fans of the books, not to mention run the risk that such a drastic change completely changes all the storyline from that point forward. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, not an easy call. If you were in charge, what would you have done specifically? I I would have gone the hate fuck route. Like made it clear that made it made it clear that well, we've been sort of dancing towards this and um and 
you know, possibly even make her initiate that first, that first hate-filled kiss. Right. And then you, you could even keep the line of you wouldn't dare and make it challenging. Like you don't have the balls to do this, do you? So, yeah. And I think that would have, that would still keep with the intent of the scene. Right. Without making it as, as vicious as it is on the page. And it, it still leaves the, uh, the issue and the conflict of him having cheated on Demelza and she, she's still justified in punching him in the face. Absolutely. And you know what? I honestly would not want to get hit by her. No. No, she's, she's very, very strong. strong. <laughs> <laughs> she would fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, the following episode, he sports a fantastic black eye. I I really struggle with this one. I I I really do. It's huh. It's very difficult. It is. So kind of related in this vein, I saw this weekend uh, Dangerous Liaisons on Broadway. Right. And those fit. <laughs> yes. And there's the the scene where Cecile, the morning after she has been raped and or seduced by Valmont, and she goes and talks to the Marquise de Morte, and I probably pronounce it wrong, but my French, when I haven't heard the word a lot, is not good. Um, and Cecile tells her that, that she has been fucked by Valmont, and the Marquis says, tell me, you resisted him, did you? Of course I did, as much as I could. But he forced you? Well, it wasn't that exactly. I found it almost impossible to defend myself. Why uh. was that? Did he tie you up? No, but he has a way of putting things. You just can't think of an answer. Not even no? Well, I kept saying no all the time, but somehow that's what, what I, that wasn't what I was doing. And in the end... I told him he could come back tonight. And if you've read the original book of Dangerous Liaisons, which is uh, one of the greatest examples of an epistolary novel that has ever been written, written by a bored French bureaucrat. As you do. As you do. Um, I think that, that, and it was written in the the early 1780s in revolutionary France. Um, that that the author, Delaclos, would not call that rape at all. Of course not. Because she wasn't forced, forced. And even on stage, that scene was just kind of like, oh, this is super awkward. And the sort of, the, the audience reaction was like, hmm, this is awkward. <laughs> this is difficult. Um, I mean it's still it's my favorite play Um, but it's it is definitely a product of the the fact that that these are terrible people doing terrible things just for their own amusement well that is kind of the whole point yeah yeah (laughs) and you got to meet him did you like completely lose your shit like 20 minutes later? No, although I was standing next to another woman and we got our, he signed the copy of the script that I have from college. Right. And that's seriously cool. I know. <laughs> and this other woman got her program signed and we had pictures and then he moved on and we looked at each other and she was like, did that just happen? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that happened at all. No, it was um, a very broad hallucination with this strange signature. Yes. In 1989, there was the movie of Dangerous Liaisons with John Malkovich and Glenn Close. Right. Which is stunning. And there was also a movie called Valmont, 
with uh, Ned Benning and Colin Firth. Right. Which is based on, but does not follow the storyline exactly. And in that one, when Cecile comes to the Marquise and she says, did he force you? She says straight up, no, I... No, I was down. I was down. Once I realized what what my options were, because I was, you know, educated in a convent and I don't know nothing of men. Once I realized what was up, I was down. Right. Um, it was one of the the first, like, truly adult movies I ever saw. And we were extremely, like, like we had this whole plot of how we were going to rent this R-rated movie. <laughs> You've got to have the R-rated movie plot. It's yes part of growing and up. In the end, we didn't have to, like, there was, like, fast talking involved, possibly a forged note. Oh, and yeah. And just let us rent it. And we were kind of curiously disappointed. And then we watched it and we're like, oh, we, we thought this was going to be actually, like, physically racier i remember being at home and no one was bothering me and i think i had access to like hbo and some movie came on and it was like this movie is rated r for adult scenes or adult situations and i was like oh yes wow. adult <laughs> situations this is what i've been waiting for and then it comes on and it was like they were drinking and smoking and i was like what that's it Ugh. nothing it, i was nothing. very disappointed there was not even a hint of nipple oh i was very upset I was super mad, honestly. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about Pole and his dark? Ross, stop being terrible. It sounds like he's going to keep on going. Probably. I I do have, but have not watched the series finale, which aired last weekend. So I, I don't actually know how this season ends yet. And I, I haven't, it, they're a little bit ahead of themselves on the books, so. And somebody apparently asked the showrunner, so did you, like, are you taking the rape scene out because Aiden Turner is so popular? And she's like, no. That, what? No. The whole idea baffled her. The whole idea baffled her. Like, no, we're, because she's, like I said, she feels like they did take out the rape scene. She's like, no, we're changing that because we're changing it. Not because we're worried about hurting Aiden Turner's star appeal. And has he said anything about it at all? Or is he just sort of like, I got hair and they brushed dirt on my manly chest in the field, so it's all good? No, he's not very... Talkative? He's not, yeah, he's not very vocal in terms of the social media. I haven't seen anything from him. I saw uh, that Haida Reed, who plays Elizabeth... Um, said back in September that they had sort of talked it over in rehearsals and the oh, was it the Daily Mail? Somebody interpreted her statements as saying that, oh no, they changed it because I wanted to. And the the showrunner was like, no. That they re- we really didn't change it much from what was written in the script during right. rehearsals. Um, but so I'm thinking that Haida Reed also does not interpret what happened as as rape. The showrunner, you mean? No, the actress. The actress. Okay. The actress. Um, which is a distinct change from a scene in Game of Thrones that in the book was consensual and was made rape in the show and the showrunners were like no that wasn't rapey that was just you know everybody was into it and the dude in the scene the actor who played the man was like nope that wasn't rape and Lena Headey's comments were conspicuously absent from the narrative interesting yeah huh yeah So, of course, I put catnip on the carpet like a month ago, and now <laughs> Wilbur is determined to get it all out of the carpet. Well, it's aged properly now. Yes, it's aged properly, and also I'm recording. Of course. Hi, Wilbur. 
Excuse you? Hey, 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 get in the litter box. What are you doing? Hmm. Wilbur, Orville. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> so maybe he's trying to poop. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's backed up. Maybe he's not. This is the cat who has colon problems, so this is Orville, actually. Oh, great. That's not what I want. Orville, I am looking at you trying to poop, and you are not in the box. That's not so good, bud. Not so good. Not great at all. We're going to have to give you some more laxative, my friend. Ah, great. All right. Well, good thing my office is next to the litter box. I can keep... Whoa! Jesus Christ! The biggest turd just came flying out of my cat. I'm so sorry. I was quite shocked by the appearance of this massive turd. Oh, my God. Oh, it smells amazing. Good boy, Orville. Thanks, Orville. I'm really excited that you made this massive crap. Oh, and now he's going to pretend to cover it up with carpet. Of course. Oh, Orville. Well... There was a little bit of struggling, and then kaboom. Well. Wow. Okay. So anyway, as we were saying before my cat took a massive shit in the middle of the floor, oh my God, someday I'm going to record a podcast, and it's going to be like normal. No one's going to shit on the floor. No one's going to bark. It's going to be great. Yeah, and then you're going to be like, something is curiously missing. Right? Maybe this is my version of sacrificing the avocado. The cat takes a massive shit on the floor. Yeah, basically. Oh, dear God. Now it smells bad. <laughs> God almighty. Honest, honestly. Jesus Christ. The cat, cat shit sounds really terrible. Oh, it's really bad. It's really, Don't smell it. The reason you can still smell it is because you're not in the litter box. <laughs> Orville. Orville, give it a... He's going to literally pull up the carpet trying to magically cover up this turd that's in the middle of the mat outside the litter box. This is not on the carpet. As he knocks mm-hmm. it over. Anyway, so moving on from cat shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have to breathe into a tissue right now. Yes. Yeah, okay. You know what? Give me five seconds. I gotta. Yeah, I, sure. I gotta knock this into the litter box. Yeah, I'll be right no. back. Oh Christ, Jesus, Orville! <laughs> what is this? Why did it happen this way? Oh my dear God in heaven! I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die from bad smells. Don't you know? Don't like bad smells. Do not tell me that you just shit on the floor so that I would get up and you would take my chair. Do not tell me that is what just happened. Legit, I think that's what just happened. I seriously think he shit on the floor so that he could steal my chair. Clever boy. Anyway, thank you. Apologize for the break there. I was going to die if I didn't put that in the litter maid. I know. You do what you got to do. Anyway, so moving on. Are there any books that you want to talk about? Um, I am in the middle of Seven Minutes in Heaven by Eloisa James. How do you like it so far? I like it very much. Cool. Um, and we we haven't gotten to the trifles that I sent her recipes for. <laughs> right. You are, uh, you are cited as a source of good I'm recipe. Yes, I am. You must have lost your mind. <laughs> Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) There was actual dancing in a circle. And I am reading the Falcon and the Vegetation of Some Kind by Virginia Henley. The Vegetation of Some Kind by Virginia Henley. I don't know. It's one of Virginia Henley's... um, bird of prey foliage oh right right the falcon and the flower that would be a very different flavor from the uh, seven minutes of heaven in heaven though though maybe not so far off from poldark maybe i don't know i i started it oh you know a week ago and then couldn't really focus after a little less than a week ago Uh uh-huh Yeah. (laughs) And had to go back to reading the Takeda Road, as I said in our Comfort Reads post. It is a good comfort read. It is a good comfort read. It's a great comfort read. And uh, Teresa Romaine has a new book that's coming out tomorrow. Yay! Are you going to read it? I'm going to read it. Of course you're going to read it. What was I thinking? Right. Joanna Shoup and Teresa Romaine are pretty much ideal catnip. Yes. And I also 
I have not started this yet, but I have it. A book called Wolf Winter, which is set in the Swedish Lapland in 1717. Wow, that's funky. Do you think there need to be more Swedish set romances? They really do. They really, really do. Um, I would even be content with uh, translating Simona Arstadt's historicals into English, please. Because I can only read menus and genealogy charts in Swedish at the moment. Well, you could pass them through uh, Google Translate and then bask in the terribleness. I could. Yes, it would be terrible. That's pretty much what I do for her Instagram posts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that there is going to be more romance translated into English. At least I hope so. It's such a small percentage of books overall, let alone romance, that gets translated into the American market. But I would I would love for there to be more. Yeah. Because that would Definitely. be awesome. Definitely. Um, I, I do think that we're going to be seeing more incredibly independent, strong heroines with lots and lots of rage faced with extreme adversity. I have a whole podcast with with Elise talking about uh, heroin rage, yeah, and how we both really enjoy books where the heroine is really fucking pissed. Like the Crows, for example, they are there to fuck shit up, and you're not going to talk them out of it. Yeah, yep, I'm fine with that. I am totally okay with that. And that is all for this week's episode. I want to thank. Redheaded Girl for hanging out with me shortly after returning from a weekend in New York so to discuss this whole issue. If you have opinions or you want to tell us what you thought of the episode or of the books or if you've got suggestions or questions or you really want to ask me more about my cat, that's totally fine too. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at one two zero one three seven one three two seven two. I really like hearing from y'all because you're very smart, very cool. So please feel free to email or call anytime. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is Passport Panic by Pete Bog Fairies from their CD Dust, and I will have links in the podcast entry for you to find it on Amazon or iTunes or on the Pete Bog Fairy website itself. And speaking of iTunes, we have an iTunes page. It's really cool. iTunes.com slash DBSA. It's really cool looking. We have our own page on iTunes. How cool is that? Okay, I'm going to chill now. I will, I will access some chill. I will find it somewhere. But before I do that, I have to tell you about our Patreon page. Yay! Patreon.com slash smartbitches. It's an opportunity for you to support the show if you're a big fan, which is really awesome. You can make monthly pledges starting with $1 a month. And each and every pledge is enormously valued because you help me make the show more gooder and help me commission transcripts and keep all things more awesome. And... You know, maybe someday I'll record episodes where my pets don't interrupt me. Although, you really seem to like it when they do, so, you know, I'll keep it up with my semi-mostly advanced beginner professionalism over here. I'll do my best, anyway. But on behalf of Redheaded Girl, and Orville, and myself, and everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have an excellent weekend. <laughs>